Turn please to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And also you can find James 4 if you want to. We'll just find two openings at once. Psalm 103. And James 4. Now we are in our, this is our seventh session, I believe, of a series we began called The Works and the Ways of Jesus. We began simultaneously with this reading the New Testament through together as a church. We read one chapter every day, Monday through Friday. And uh, why not more chapters, you might say? Well, several reasons. One, you know, if you try to do too much, uh, you know, people all the time, they bite off a big thing, they make a big commitment, and are not able to keep it for whatever reasons. They don't. And then they're condemned. Uh, don't make a commitment of something that you don't fully intend to keep. It hurts your words. It hurts your faith. And uh, not only that, if you try to read too much at one time, sometimes you're just scanning it. You're speed reading it. You're not getting enough out of it. So we're saying take your time, read it carefully, read it slowly. If you want to read it again in another translation or something, and we're looking to see Jesus. We want to see Him, how He operates, how He responds. We want to learn His works, and not just His works, but His ways. How He does things, because that's our example. There's not a better example. So, would you turn there? You've got your place in Psalm 103. Psalm 103 and verse 7. Said He, God, made known His ways to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. So the bulk of the nation, the Israelites, they saw what he did. They saw the splitting of the Red Sea. They saw the water come out of the rock. They saw the manna come down out of heaven. But they never understood his ways. More than once he said to them, you know, you, how long before you understand? But Moses not only saw what God was doing, he understood his ways. How many are hungry? You want to understand the ways of the master. And that is an essential first step to you being like him. How can you be like him and your ways be like his ways unless you first see his ways? Can't. But if you see him and see his ways, then the scripture talks about as we behold him, we become like him. We're transformed into his image from glory to glory. Amen. So we're looking at him. And that's one thing we're doing as we read through these chapters. We're looking at him. We're seeing how he did things. Our first session, we saw how Jesus emphasized the plan of God. He keeps talking about it. How that scripture was fulfilled. How many times he says, as it is written, as it is written. And uh, he could see God doing things and fulfilling things in his life. We saw how he emphasized the anointing and the authority he operated in. We saw how he operated in sowing and reaping. These are all his ways that we've talked about. We saw that he operated in the faith of God. We saw that he operated in the grace of God. We saw that he operated in honor. We talked last week about the honor of God. And this week I want us to go on and talk about, this is kind of a 
continuation of talking about him operating in authority, and yet it's not that either. The title of this session is Receive or Resist. Receive or Resist. Uh, In James, the fourth chapter, are you there? You holding your place there? I tell you, while you're turning, why don't you just turn to Mark? This is the chapter, a chapter we read this past week, the third chapter. We'll go to James, then we'll come back to uh, Mark. These go together. Said out loud while you're turning, how about it? Receive, receive. or resist. resist? Who was it? Shakespeare said to be or not to be. That is the question. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Shakespeare, that ain't the question. <laughs> we are. <laughs> but here is a question. Receive or resist? This is a big question. It's a big issue. It comes up every day. It comes up all through the day. Doesn't it? Say it out loud again with me. Receive, Receive. or resist? resist? In James... The fourth chapter, James 4, verse 6, says, He, God, gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud. Does God resist? He resists. Proud. So you don't want to be proud, do you? (laughs) You know, it was a phrase. I grew up just not too far from here, up down in Mississippi, in the south, and Sometimes you hear people say, well, we're poor, but we're proud. <laughs> Neither one of those anything to be proud of, is it? God will heal you and bless you both if you'll repent. Amen? No. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves. Would that be the same as saying yield yourself? Receive what God is saying. Receive what he's doing. Give place to it. Yield to it. Submit to it. Submit yourselves to whom? To God. But what's the next word say? Resist the devil. And what will happen? He'll just stay right there. Hmm? Resist the devil, and the Bible says, he will flee from you. Two things here. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Or we could say, receive God. Yield to him. Go with him. Obey him. If he says something to you, receive it. If he gives you something, yield to it. Take it. But the devil, if it's the devil, what do you do? Do you take it? Do you receive it? Do you yield to it? Do you go with No, what do you do? Resist. Resist. Everybody say resist. Resist. Say that loud again. Resist. Resist. If it's God, what do we do? We receive it. We yield to it. If it's the enemy, what do we do? Resist Resist it. Now this is simple. (laughs) But oh man. Folk are missing this. Huge. Every day, I mean, it seems like most of the Christian world is confused about this issue right here, about what to receive and what to resist. 
Are we to receive everything? Hmm? No, we're not. There's some things we're to receive, and there's some things we're to resist. You know how to resist? Anybody in here know how to resist? Do you? I know you do. You resisted your mama. You resisted your coach. You resisted your husband or your wife or whoever. Yeah, those people know how to resist. But we're not supposed to focus on resisting people. We're supposed to resist the devil, resist the enemy. But when you say that, that's kind of a a thing where people are almost waiting for something in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork to show up at the door to go, Uh, I'm supposed to resist you. Well, you'd probably go all your life and never see anything like that. I hope you don't. And yet, is the enemy bringing stuff to you? Is he trying to do stuff in your life? Well, can you identify what's God that you receive and what's the enemy that you resist? This is the big issue, the big question. Because the truth is, a lot of people are receiving things that the enemy brought as though it was from God. And resisting things that God is doing as though it was the enemy. This is happening all over the world. And some of us in our ignorance have done this. I shouldn't say some of us, all of us have done this in some measure at some point. I think I told this, but a little bit of repetition. Back when I was first uh, training for the ministry in Bible school, I needed everything. And my shoes were pitiful. I mean, they were shot. They were worn out a long time ago. And uh, we prayed and was believing God for some money to buy some shoes. And man, praise God, not too long after that, a week or two, in the mail, here comes $50 for shoes from an unexpected channel. I thought, glory to God. The Lord heard my prayer. Here's my shoe money. So that day I was praying. I'm in the floor praying. I can pray good that day, man. I, I got shoe money. I mean, after the service, I'm going to the store. and buy me a pair of shoes. Well, there was a young man that was speaking there in the afternoon. He was in the ministry. He hadn't been in the ministry that long himself. And uh, I was hearing him every afternoon. And, and so uh, while I'm laying there in the floor praying, it came up in my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very distinctly inside me, the Lord dealt with me. You know, that, that that young man, that preacher said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Specific. Brown. I thought, well, praise God, I can encourage him. I mean, you know, you met my needs and uh, I know you will meet his too. So I'm just going to agree with him by faith, even though he don't know it. I'm going to hook up with him down here on the floor. Thank you, Lord, for his brown shoes. Now, what are y'all laughing about? Like y'all never did anything like this. Well, I laid there and prayed some more and prayed some more. And it came up in my heart again. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Well, I said it again. Well, thank you, Lord. I know you met my needs. You'll meet his too. I know you will. And eventually it came up in my heart. Give him your shoe money. And believe me and I'll take care of you on shoes. Now, I didn't know as much as I know now. I don't know too much now. But 
At first I thought, that's the devil. That's the devil trying to trip me up and confuse me. Here I got my shoe money and here he is trying to steal my shoe money. So I rebuke the devil. I said, I rebuke you. Get behind me. I rebuke you. See, we're talking about if it's from God, what do you do? Receive it. If it's the enemy, what do you do? Well, see, in my ignorance, I'm not sure where this is from. I should have known the devil wasn't dealing with me to help a preacher. (laughs) Some things are just not too hard to figure, but... uh, Anyway, I finally got it settled in my heart. I thought I got quiet and I, a little bit and I thought, that ain't the devil. I mean, that's the same spirit that's led me here to Bible school that deals with me every day. And, but you know, you'd grow in knowing him. Amen. Amen. If you're feeding on the word, if you're walking with him, if you're hooked up in good services, et cetera, et cetera, you grow and his things become clearer to you and more distinct to you and and some things you learn by making some mistakes and learn, well, that ain't the way to go. That wasn't right. And it's a growth process. But I said, that that's not the enemy. That's you, Lord. And finally, I said, okay, all right, okay. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And then I had to work on myself a little bit so I could do it gladly. You might know what I mean? You're not supposed to just do it. You're supposed to do it gladly. And you can. You can. You can just will to. It's not based on your feelings. You can will to do it. And if you trust him, you, how many understand he will never ask you to do something and then it's just lost. If he deals with you to sow something, he's got something better in mind for you. He's got a big harvest plan for you if you just stay with him. So I did. After the service, I went up and I had my little $50 and that's all I had. And I said, brother, you said, uh, excuse me. And he said, yes. I said, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? He looked at me, his eyes got big. He said, just a minute, stand right there. And he called his wife. He said, come here, come here. He said, tell her what you told me. And I said, well, I just want to know if you believe in God for a pair of brown shoes. They both started shouting, lifting their hands. They said, it wasn't an hour ago or, well, it was yeah, a couple hours ago that we joined hands over there in the speaker's room and prayed and asked God for a pair of brown shoes. I was the same time I was in the floor rebuking the devil. <laughs> I didn't tell him all that, but I said, brother, I said, well, this is, this might not buy all of them. You know, I'll pay the whole price for what you want, but here's some money towards your brown shoes. I'm glad to sew it. And so he uh, took it and they were happy. And I walked out across the parking lot and it was cold to my little 1969 Chevrolet pickup. And as I was about to get in, I'm uh, moneyless and shoeless <laughs> And happy. Man, I was so happy. I tell you, I felt like I was half floating. Why? I had heard from God. Brown shoes, brother Brown. (laughs) I had heard from God and I had been used of him to meet somebody's need. And you know what? He did what he said. He has blessed me in shoes. I'm telling you, people have just come to me. A man came not long after that and said, here's a credit card. Go buy a pair of expensive shoes. Don't get the cheap ones. Get the expensive ones. I mean, a fellow not long back sent me a pair of blue crocodile. I'm telling you, these things need a dimmer switch on them. These are some shoes, buddy. I mean, I got ostrich shoes. I got alligator shoes. And most of them were given to me. Glory to God. You sow shoes, you reap shoes. 
Amen. He told me, he said, uh, sow that and I'll take care of you. And he has. But I just gave you that as just a brief example of how that sometimes folk are, are resisting something that God said as though it was the enemy. And then on the other hand, receiving something from the enemy as though it's God out of ignorance so many times. Turn to 1 Peter, if you would, the fifth chapter. Everybody say, receive from God, resist the devil. Say it again, receive from God, resist the devil. In 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud. You get the idea that God doesn't care for pride. And he does not. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober. Now don't just let this go past you. What does it mean to be sober and to be vigilant? He's not talking about just not being drunk. Be awake. Be alert. Be aware, be on the watch. Now, when the Lord tells you that, you don't just go, yeah, yeah, okay. You better listen. Because if there's nothing to watch out for, he wouldn't be telling you to watch. Right? And here he gives us very specific things that we should be watching for. He said, be sober, be vigilant, be on the watch. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. May. So can he just come and chew up people and chew up their lives and destroy just whoever he wants to indiscriminately? No. There are those he may destroy and there are those he may not. But what a lot of folk have not understood is so much of his ability to do that is based on what we receive. One of the big ways that he's able, that he may devour and destroy people is because of people's ignorance receiving the destruction and just letting it come and letting it stay as though it was from God and not resisting it because it is from the enemy. When he comes with some stuff that's not, you know it's not God and you know this is from the enemy, you need to stand up and say, no, you may not devour me. I resist you. We're not going to lay down and take this. But how many know that there are so many Christians that are passive, believing lies? And a lot of these lies were espoused from pulpits for centuries. You got all these isms Calvinism, Armenianism, Fatalism, Confusionism. And the isms just go on and on and on. But the big deal is, do we know what's God and what's the devil? So a lot of Christians are fatalists. Whatever is to be, will be. And it's what I call no-fault religion. No matter what happens, it's not our fault. And they are fond of phrases like, you just never know. 
Kind of like one guy believed that way, that everything that happened is God and everything, you know, if it is to be, it's going to be and it can't be any other way. He was coming down a flight of stairs and tripped and fell, bump, 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 hit all the steps all the way down. And finally at the bottom, he got up and he said, thank God that's over. Because he believed that that was meant to be. You know? <laughs> and there are phrases, and I'm going to mention some of them tonight. And if you've used them, don't just immediately be perturbed at me because I use a phrase. That, and I'm saying it's not a good thing to say. But think about it. Don't take my word for it. Search the scriptures. See if it's a Bible phrase. If it's something that we should use. We taught here for weeks. And we said we don't want things just based on tradition and ideas of men. We're hollering, where's the scripture? Where's the verse? Only then do we know that it's something we can build our lives on. You know, people say, well, you know, whatever is to be, will be. And we have no choice in the matter. And basically they're saying everything's from God. You know, people use this phrase, God is in control. You hear that all the time, right? God is in control. God is completely in control. God is entirely in control. God is in control. Somebody say, what's wrong with that? Well, is that what the Bible says? Well, yes and no. The scripture that's the cornerstone for our ministry, More Life Ministries, is John 10.10. Anybody know John 10.10? Jesus is speaking. And he said the thief. Is there a thief out here? Is there an enemy? His name is Apollyon. Abaddon. It means destroyer. That's what he is. That's his name. Destroyer. Jesus said the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. How many believe Jesus knows what he's talking about? If something is stealing from you, who's doing it? Hmm? I got a lot of folks not answering me. Just looking at me like, well, brother, we just don't know. Yeah, and the devil's going to eat your lunch until you understand what's from him and you start standing up and being a man of God or a woman of God and resisting what's from him. You can't just be a passive, you know, Sit in the corner, Sarah, Sarah, Christian. <laughs> the scripture said in Ephesians 5.17, I believe it is. He said, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We have a responsibility to ascertain what is the will of God. And to not just say, well, everything is the will of God. No, everything is not the will of God. Well, everything that happens... Is the will of God? Absolutely not. What about people going to hell? Is that the will of God? Well, then there's a lot of other things that's not the will of God. Well, here's another phrase. People say, well, everything happens for a reason. Is that a scripture? Do you know the scripture? What does that mean? Is that true? Everything happens for a reason. Well, yes and no. There is a reason why everything happens. A lot of times you may not know what that reason is. But what people are implying is that God has a divine purpose. 
in everything that happens, that is not true. I said, that is not true. There are a lot of things that are happening in this planet that are not the will of God. Amen. Amen. One of the obvious people going to hell. He's not willing that any should perish. But they are. Why? Because man has a free will. Man or woman can choose to receive God and obey God. Or they can choose to yield to the devil. Does God make us do what we're supposed to do? You had a choice. You could have come here to church tonight and praise God and listen to Him and receive from Him. Or you could have stopped at one of the convenience stores and robbed them. I'm glad you made the right choice. But I understand you could. People say, well, no, unless it was the will of God, I couldn't do it. And you're foolish too. You can do anything you decide to do. If you couldn't, how could these people be doing these atrocious things that they're doing in the planet? I mean, these, these homicide bombers. Is God in that? No. no. Can you say that that was the plan of God? That is the will of God? It's not. I said, no, it's not. There are a lot of things happening in the planet that grieve God. That are not his will. Why does he let them happen then? Because he's given man a free will. Why did he let Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit? That's where it starts. It goes all the way back to there. Because, listen, you cannot have real faith unless a person is free to doubt. You can't have real love unless a person is free to hate. You can't have real obedience unless a person is completely free to disobey. And God wants real faith, real love, real obedience. And right now, the sifting is going on. How many understand that the, you know, the wheat from the tares and the sheep from the goats is going on right now? God is seeing through the generations being born and living and dying who believes Him, who does not, who trusts Him, who does not. And in the end, He'll know who His are. Lift up your hand and say, I'm one. I'm one of his. Amen. Said out loud, receive from God. Resist the devil. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Verse 8, watching out. Because the enemy, he's going around like a roaring lion. He's trying to find who he can chew up. Verse 9, what do you do about it? Say, well, it's whatever the Lord wants. Huh? What do you do about it? Whom resist? Who's supposed to do the resisting? We are. Whom resist steadfast. Now that tells you something right there. Sometimes you have to resist longer than ten minutes. Right? Longer than a day or two. Resist. Resist. Do you know it's not a sin to be tempted? Jesus was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. Sin comes in when you yield to it. When you give in to it. Even the most holy saint of God has found thoughts and feelings in their mind that were unholy and impure. The enemy brings them to you. I said he brings them to you. You ever had wild and crazy thoughts come across your mind? Don't look at me so sanctified. I said have you ever had a crazy thought? Just an absurd, an ugly thought? 
a bad thought or feeling? Yes, you have. But here's the thing. Don't take it as though it's yours and get under condemnation because you had the thought when the enemy brought it to you. I saw this. uh, I heard this rather years ago and it just stuck with me and I've shared it, but I'll share it again. I heard this minister talking. He said he was visiting a big city and he went up this high, high skyscraper and I forget how many floors he was up. I mean, scores and scores of floors up in there and he looked over the the little rail and I mean, the cars just looked like little toys and it was so high and he said this thought came to him. Why don't you just jump? Why don't you just jump? He looked up and said, you jump, I'm not. And I thought, excellent. That's excellent. Why? Because he recognized where that came from. That didn't come from the inside of him. That didn't come from God. It came from the enemy. It has to do with stealing. Has to do with killing, doesn't it? Has to do with destruction. So we don't have to have it painted in the sky. Where did this come from? It came from the thief. It came from the devil. It came from the enemy. So what do we do with it? Resist it. Say, no. That's stupid. I'm not doing that. I'm not stupid. But you know, some people are supposed to be Christians. Pray and pray and quote scriptures. They hear it and they go, what is that? What is that? Just jump. I'm thinking about jumping. Thoughts come. Yeah, you're suicidal. I'm suicidal? Yeah, you're suicidal. You, I got a spirit of suicide? The devil says, got two. Got two. Oh my Lord, what's wrong with me? I need deliverance. We'll see. And you get to believe in your suicidal and talking it. You can get that way. Everybody say resist. Resist. If it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's anything to do with something that robs from you or hurts or kills or destroys, you know it's not from God. It's from the enemy. So what do you do? Resist it and resist it steadfast. If it comes up a hundred times a day, resist it a hundred times a day. If it tries to hang on for day after day and week after week, resist it. I said being tempted is not a sin. Yielding to the temptation. Giving in to it is where the sin comes in. Thoughts about somebody else's wife. Thoughts about somebody else's husband. Thoughts about taking money that's not yours. Thoughts. The enemy will try to work on anybody. You know, don't act like you're so holy and sanctified that none of these thoughts can come to your mind. I know better. The way the nature of the flesh is that there's an enemy out here. And he's a persistent cuss. I mean, what I'm talking about, he'll bring it back and he'll bring it back. So what do you got to do? Cast it down. No, I'm not doing that. Not today, not tomorrow, not next month, not next year. And if it comes back a thousand times, then a thousand and one times you say no. No, no. When do you say yes? Never. Never. When do you quit resisting it? Never. Never. That's when you get in trouble when you quit resisting it. Everybody say receive from God. Resist the devil. If it's wrong, resist it. Stand against it. Amen. Read the next verse. Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. All of us are dealing with the same kind of things. 
Don't you get to believing that your case is unique and that you got, you know, half of hell is after you and, and nobody knows what you're going through. That's a lie. The truth is probably people have been through a lot more than you have and just wasn't as big a whiny babies as you. <laughs> now, how come me to say that? <laughs> it's true. I mean... <laughs> There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. And this says the same afflictions, the same stuff is going on in your brethren throughout the world. So what do we do? Everybody say it out loud, resist. Say it again, resist. 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 Receive from God and resist the enemy. Now go with me, why don't you? Over to Mark 3. Are you holding that? Or did you forget about that? Mark 3. In Mark 3, and the first verse, we read this this week, and let's look at it again. Jesus entered into the synagogue. There was a man there which had a withered hand. Now let's just stop right there. You reckon God had a purpose in his hand being withered? Was this the work of God? Are you sure? Let's keep reading because that's a question that comes up. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Now this is the religion of men and how blind it is. They were more concerned about their rule than they were a man being able to be healed. Now I mean it's mean and cruel but I'm telling you the religion of men is that way. I mean, some of the meanest people on the planet are religious people. They will stab you. They will hit you. They will kick you when you're down and give you three verses why it's okay. It's sad. But uh, they would rather he have not have been healed than their doctrine messed with. They watched him. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, not so they could praise God the man was healed, so that they could accuse the preacher. And he, Jesus, said to the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. <laughs> Jesus didn't go quietly. <laughs> you know, he could have saved himself a lot of trouble by just waiting a day for the healing service. You know, just waiting one day. Just saying, you know, meet me tomorrow. We'll meet over there tomorrow, have a healing service. But no, right in the middle of the Pharisees, right in the middle of the Sabbath day, in the middle of the crowd, perceived what they were thinking and told the man, man with a withered hand, uh huh, get up, stand up right here in the middle of this deal, stand up, get up here. Now all the Pharisees and Sadducees are going, watch him, watch him. I told you, I told you what he's going to do. He's going to break the Sabbath. He's going to break, watch him. Which is actually good in a perverted way. (laughs) What do you mean? These hard-nosed, cruel-hearted religious people were convinced that sick person in the room plus Jesus equals healing. More faith than many Christians have today. Is there a, they were expecting 
poking each other going, watch, watch. Jesus is in the room, sick man in the room, going to be healing today. Watch, watch. And guess what? There was. Is Jesus still in the room today? He is. I said, he is. has he changed? No. No, he is. <laughs> Verse 4, he looked around at them. Here's the man standing up with a withered hand. It's tense in there. It's quiet in there. Jesus said, uh, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or evil? To save life or to kill? Which one you think would be right to do? He's asking them. But they held their peace. They're all real quiet. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Hmm. Because the man was healed. Now skip down to verse 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem, they had an explanation for this. They said, he has Beelzebub. That's how these healings are going on. He's got the prince of devils. And that's how he cast out devils. I know that sounds strange to us, but so much theology is still just this confused. Jesus called them to him and he said, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom's divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. Is Satan casting out Satan? Is the destroyer healing people? Is the healer destroying people? You know, in Galatians, the scripture says, if I build again the things I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. How many understand if you tore it down, then you shouldn't build it. It's either right to build it or to tear it down, but not to do both. Is God making people sick so he can heal them? Hmm? Is the devil blessing people who serve him? He can't. He's not a blesser. No such thing as making a deal with the devil. Even Christians try to. They say, well, well, okay, now, I'm not going to be like these radical shouters and everything like the other people. I'll leave you alone. And you leave me alone. Okay? You know what he'll say? Okay. He'll say, sure. Okay. And you turn your back and he will nail you. Because he is a known liar. He can't help himself. Everything he says is a lie. He's a liar. He's a killer. He's a thief. He's a destroyer. 
And if anything falls into any of these categories, you should immediately go into resist mode. Is that right? Something try to hurt your baby, steal from your children, steal from your family, steal from your life. You don't have to ask somebody, is this God trying to teach me something? Is it trying to steal from you? Then resist it. I said resist it. I mean, if a snake gets in your house, do you go into prayer? And say, oh Lord, did you send this snake here to teach me something? Why don't people do it? Because they know that that snake's not supposed to be in the house. They don't pray, they don't fast to see if it's the will of God to get the snake out. They resist the snake. Amen. Right? Right. If you had a bunch of pigs in there that got in your house while you was gone, they've made a big mess. It stinks. It's dirty. You don't come in there and go. <laughs> well, you know, we clean this place up. And what if, you know, somebody, pig farmer locally didn't have any respect for the church and it was raining and he comes along and the door, if they were open, and he says, well, here, I can put my pigs in here. It was dark and he just opened the door and drove a big herd of pigs in this place. (laughs) And uh, it stinks and it's a mess, you know, and some of my guys come in here and they start trying to run pigs out. But what if I came in and said, now, wait a minute, fellas, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, we got to be sensitive to the will of God here. Maybe the Lord sent these pigs here to teach us something. Now, I know that sounds bizarre, but do you understand Christians are doing this in their personal lives every day? They're laying down while some area of their life is destroyed and saying, well... We just don't understand. You know, maybe the Lord, you know, because there's a reason for everything. Had it ever occurred to you that maybe one of the big reasons why it's still there is because you haven't stood up and resisted it? Here's another one. Go with me to Romans, why don't you? The eighth chapter. Now I'm commencing to start to get ready to close. Romans, the eighth chapter. Let me go over some of these phrases again. God is in control. Is that true or false? Depends on what you mean by that. In the Christian's life, who are praying and believing Him and following Him, yes. Will God's plan be fulfilled in the earth in spite of men and devils? Yes. I mean, His overall plan. Yes, but does that mean that everything that's happening in people's lives is the will of God and that he's in control of everything that's happening in people's lives? No, because people disobey God. They run from God. They defy God. And because of that, bad things happen. Also, this everything happens for a reason. That does not mean that everything, that God has a divine purpose in everything. If it's stealing and killing and destroying, it's not from Him. It's to be 
resisted. The other thing is people say, well, everything works out for the best. You heard that? Well, everything always works out for the best. Is that true? That is not true. If you just say it like that, it's not true. And let's read the scripture that people are usually referring to or misquoting. In Romans, the 8th chapter. I know I'm messing with some sacred cows in here tonight, but uh, if you believe wrong, you get destroyed. I mean, if you just accept stuff that's not from Him and don't resist it, then you're going to lose things in life that you should have had. You'll still be saved, but you'll be robbed of things in this life that you could have had and could have changed. Romans, the 8th chapter, let's read what it actually says. Verse 28, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for everybody. Huh? Are you reading with me? Does the scripture say that? No, it does not say that. Is everything working out for the good everywhere for everybody? No, it is not. He mentions a specific group of people. We know that all things work together for good to who? Them who love God. Is that everybody? No. Does everybody love God? Is everybody trying to serve God? Is everybody trying to obey? No, they're not. So then you can't just make this a blanket statement over everybody and say that everything is working out for everybody's good. It's not. You should be able to just see that. But do you love God tonight? I said, do you love God? You're endeavoring to serve Him and obey Him? Then what can you say? Everything is working out for my good and God's glory. Amen? Everything. Even what the enemy meant for evil. Now he'll bring stuff in and he'll try to do And this is what confuses people. In a tragedy, in a family, through it, somebody got back to God. You know, maybe a child died. Maybe there was a terrible accident. And somebody got back to God. Maybe somebody got saved. And people say, well, see there, God had to take that baby so so so-and-so could get saved. Absolutely not. No. God's not the destroyer. Do you know that death is the enemy of God? People say, well, God took them in death. That's not even a correct phrase. People go home to be with the Lord if they're saved. Amen? There's only a couple of people the Bible ever said God took. Enoch, Elijah. Amen? Other folk, it said they went to be with the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. I see some folk need a scripture for this. I said death is the enemy of God. Did you know that? You even hear people say, well, you know, we all get healed. Some get healed now. Some get healed in death. No, you do not get healed in death. When you die, you're dead, not healed. That's not healing. No, no, no. People say, well, everybody gets healed. You either get healed here or you'll get healed later on in the millennium. No, you won't be healed in the millennium because your body can't be sick. It'll be changed incorruptible. If it can't be corrupted, it can't need healing. 
If you're going to enjoy healing, you better get it now. Amen. Because later on you won't need it. It won't be an issue. 1 Corinthians. I didn't intend to get into all this this evening, but I did. Verse uh, 25. Verse 24. Verse 24. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. says, Then comes the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Is death the gift of God? Is death the tool of God that he takes people in death? No, death is the enemy of God. If man had never sinned, there wouldn't be any death in the planet. Did you hear me? And thank God one of these days real soon, the Lord's coming back and straighten this thing out. And death is going to be expelled. And how many read the scripture? There's going to be no more crying, no more pain, no more dying, no more hospitals, no more cemeteries. No more. No more. Won't be long. Oh, glory to God. Until then, let's keep it straight. God's not our problem. He's not killing us. He's not destroying us. He's not robbing from us. He's our answer. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's our protector. He's our good, good God. Every good gift, every perfect gift is coming from Him down from heaven, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And if it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, don't even scratch your head. Don't even hesitate. It's the devil. Resist it. Resist it. Say, no, you don't. Not in my house. You don't. In Jesus' name, get out of here. Stop that. Get off of my child. Stop that in my finances. Go from my body. Go from my mind. Resist it. Expect it to leave. Resist the devil. What the scriptures say? He will flee from you. Stand up on your feet, why don't you? Let's act on these scriptures. Let's act on this truth. Oh, I'm happy. So there's some folk in here tonight. Man, you got the devil's number now. You, he's been messing with you. He's been getting by with some stuff in your life, but no more. No more. You got it now. You're going to put a stop to his stuff. You're going to put your foot down. You're going to say no. You're going to resist. Amen. Everybody close your eyes and repeat these things out loud. We need to act on our authority. We have authority in the name of Jesus. And say it out loud, Father God, I believe you're a good God and you do good things. Every good thing is from you. And the source of problems is the enemy, the devil. Okay, and I want you to think about it. There's been some specific things in some people's lives that has been stealing from you, robbing from you, robbing you of your sleep, worries, fears, cares, robbing you of good fellowship in your home, in your marriage, robbing you of the relationship you should have with your children, robbing you of your money, robbing you of your health, robbing you and stealing from you. That's not God. That's not the perfect will of God. Say it out loud. Lord God, God, I submit to you you. 
I yield to you. I will do your will. I will live for you. I will obey you. Now Satan, I have a right to resist you. Stop your operations in my life. Cease your maneuvers. You stop everything that's been stealing from me. Destroying in my life. Hurting me in mine. I come against you. I resist you. I resist you. And command you to stop. And be gone. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. The scripture says whatever you bind on earth. Will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth. Will be loosed in heaven. Now you need to do. Don't, now don't misunderstand me. Don't go around screaming at the devil all the time. That's, don't, don't get devil conscious. You, most of the time you should be praising God. Thinking about God. Amen. But there are times when something comes up in your life and it's obvious. It's destruction. It's stealing. Then it's just, it doesn't take long. Just like what we did just right here. Say no. No you don't. Not in my life you don't. Not in my family you don't. I resist you. Go from me. Stop this. In Jesus' name. And expect what the scripture said. Expect it to flee. Expect it to go. No matter what it looks like or feels like after you get through saying it. Keep expecting. Keep expecting. And the Bible's true. I said the Bible's true. Praise God. Amen. Lift up your hands again. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Thank you. I pray, Lord, further that every word that you would speak to your people tonight would lodge in their heart deep and you'd bring it to their remembrance and there'd come a holy boldness up in their spirits and up in their souls and in their minds and in their mouths and they'd not let the enemy transgress and and, and, and perpetrate errors and problems in their life further, but they'd be quick to receive from you and quick to resist the enemy, and we give you the glory, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.